to Culture Bucket, the world university's greatest podcast, uh, where we talk all things pop culture and everything else with two good, great friends, Alex and George, who meet up every week to discuss. Uh, I'm George, your host, and this is episode number 112. It will be a classic culture catch-up based episode with some MyTube as well. Uh, lots of exciting stuff, but I can't do it on my own. I've got with me my co-host, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, Hi. everyone. It's hot. They all say hello. Is it hot? You are in Italy, which the news tells me is currently on fire. So fire. We how is are that going? on fire. It feels it feels pretty fiery. I'm sweating. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't be able to. I don't know if I could manage it. Well, you'll see in three weeks when you're here with me. Oh, I went for a walk yesterday morning in Manchester mm. where it was overcast and cold. Mm. And when I got back to my flat, I was sweating, covered in sweat. Yeah. So here... I don't, I don't cope with any amount mm. of heat. Well, here, just living makes you sweat, you know, just lying down. It's pretty, pretty nice. No. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, I, hate, I hate that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll treat you well. Don't worry. We'll, we'll keep you cool. We'll, we'll put wet blankets on you. <laughs> don't do that. Um, it works. Wet towels more than wet blankets. It works. Wet paper towels. Yeah, and then it gets stuck to you, and they become you, and then you became you become a paper towel man. Oh, you're like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from the end of Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, and then you get up, and all the paper towels just melt. Oh, oh. all right. Well, that was cool. Yeah. Um, people should please rate us. Give us some five star reviews, please, and write up how great we are. Obviously, do that. Uh, on Google Podcasts, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, anywhere you can do it. Just do it. Do it in app if you can. Please, please, please go and do that and tell your friends about us and get people listening. That would be uh, much appreciated. We'd love it if you were doing that. Thank you so much. And email us and tell us if you have done that and what your review was and we'll keep an eye out and we can read out some reviews and have a lovely community moment. Wouldn't it be nice? So please do that. And also to find uh, all of our social media details, including our Instagram page, which has lots of wonderful posts and artwork from Alex on there for you to look at. Um, go to the show notes for this episode and every episode, which have a link to our link tree that contain the links to all those places, along with a link to buy us a coffee. If you would, if you would wish to support us, uh, we'd, 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 we'd appreciate that as well. Um, so, shall we start? Yes. Are you sure? Kimish. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Am I going to start this week? Yes, please. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about some films, a TV series, and an album today. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. I, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, so, yeah, first of all, um, I'm going to talk to you about a film called Sleep Has Her House. Oh. Oh. Uh, this is an experimental film. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, shot, written, produced, directed, and edited by uh, filmmaker Scott Barley. Mm-hmm. Uh, shot on an iPhone. 
and featuring still photography and hand-drawn images by the artist. Nice. It's quite the thing. Uh, I first <laughs> came across this movie uh, when I was browsing Letterboxd, my favourite social media uh, film site of choice. Uh, and they have various lists of like the top 250 movies based on Letterboxd users and stuff like that. And somebody's also made a list of the top 250 horror movies as ranked by Letterboxd users. And I was looking through that thinking, well, I should have seen all of these. And actually, I'd hardly seen any of them because Letterboxd users are a very discerning crowd. And there's a lot of uh, black and white German existential movies on there and things like that. So uh, I was looking through it and thinking, oh, I've got a lot of films I should watch. And I came across this one that was fairly recent. I was like, oh, how have I not even heard of it? But it was ranked super high called Sleep Has Her House. And um, I looked it up and it was impossible. It doesn't exist on any... Um, streaming sites it doesn't exist in you can't buy it from amazon uh he has a website scott barley has a website which just had a sold out edition of the blu-ray on it uh, i couldn't buy and i was like this is a shame because this movie apparently is great sounds like an interesting film and i can't watch it and then a few weeks ago i noticed on letterbox someone that i follow had reviewed it and i was like well how on earth have you done that? And I read their review and they said that they liked it, but they hadn't explained how they'd watched it. So I went to his website and he had a post up saying, we've done a new printing of 500 copies. Uh, please purchase from the shop if you want it. So I did. Nice. And then I waited a month and I was like, is he even, does this, is this real? Is this a scam? Where is it? What's going on? I've not had any confirmation. It is real. It turned up eventually uh, from America, which is probably why it took so long. And, uh, and then I, I watched it and it's quite the thing. It um it says here on Wikipedia, I'll, re I'll read out this little thing on Wikipedia to give you an idea of what we're talking about. The film is considered part of the slow cinema movement due to its use of long takes, the longest of which is 11 minutes long, featuring the sun setting until dusk. The film features no actors or dialogue. Oh. Oh. So what you're essentially watching is um, photography and imagery and video of nature scenes in the dark for very, very extended long takes while soundscapes play out hmm. and you sort of just exist in this world. And I watched it in the dark. It actually comes up at the nice. start saying this movie is intended to be watched in complete darkness. Oh. Like it's pretty clear about that. And it feels like a movie that you would like, we used to live in a city called Kanazawa. Hmm. Now the 21st century modern art museum there. And you would go in there and they would sometimes have a room with like a video playing in it. Yeah. And you could sit and watch it for a bit. It feels like something that belongs oh, okay. in that kind of space, right? Mm. It feels like an exhibition piece. I think I read that it was originally made as an exhibition piece. It was four hours long. Oh. And then he, yeah. <laughs> but I guess with the, without the intention of you watching the whole thing, it was intended for people to wander in and out of kind of thing. But then he edited it and tightened it up into a 90 minute sort of feature. And it did very well in film festivals. And it's kind of become this sort of slightly cult um cult thing that people some people know about but isn't isn't widely known um and it's very odd and the experience of watching it is very intense because like there's this one you know it starts with just this almost static white screen that you can't quite tell mm. what's going on and the camera is zooming out so slowly that you can't quite perceive it until you realize that you can see more of an image than you you realize it eventually reveals itself to be a waterfall and then, and then you know, you'll you'll be watching that for about five, six, seven minutes, and then it will cut to like some scenes of some trees, and the wind is moving through the trees, and it feels very David Lynchian. Mm. Um, and it's definitely not for everyone because nothing really happens, but it definitely creates this 
this feeling of uncertainty and dread as you're watching it and I was a little bit tired as I watched it and there was a certain point where I started to hear voices in my mind for a moment what? Uh, as I started to sort of like lose a sense of place slightly as it, it kind of overwhelms you a little bit with, wow. its, with its imagery and its visuals and it, it is if you're in the right mindset for it it's pretty great hmm. if you're not in the right mindset for it it's the worst thing in the world because <laughs> it's just if you're not really paying attention, you can't have it on in the background and not really pay attention mm. to it because it would just seem like a screensaver. But if you watch it and you give it all of your attention and your energy, it does produce a kind of a, a, an almost biological response. Mm. Um, and then it ends, you know, the final few minutes are a lot. It's a lot. Uh, so, yeah, Sleep Has Her House, not easy to watch. If you don't think it's your kind of thing, please don't go and buy it. No. But if you think that sounds like it might be your kind of thing, there are still copies available from Scott Barley's website. And if you Google, uh, if you Google Scott Barley, you will uh, you'll find it. Or Google Sleep Has Her House, and you'll find his uh, his website pretty quickly. Um, did you watch it by yourself? No, I watched it with my housemate who did who didn't care for it. So I can confirm that okay. it's definitely not for everyone. Uh, ScottBarley.com is the website, so that's easy enough. If you're if you're interested, go and have a look. Uh, if you're not interested, it's absolutely fine. It's certainly not for everyone. Uh, up next, though, is some stuff that might be for everyone. We're going to do a hard 180-degree turn <laughs> and discuss Disney's 2023 live-action adaptation of the classic animated feature film, The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, you haven't seen this, have you? Of course not. I live in Italy. No, of course not. No, you live in Italy. <laughs> why would you have seen it? Um, this follows the adventures of Ariel, daughter of... Titan, Mufasa, daughter of King Triton, is he called? Played by Javier Bardem. Oh, yeah, in this movie, um, uh, as she uh, is obsessed with the human world and the surface, and uh, witnesses um, a shipwreck and witnesses Prince Eric, mm. um, and falls in love with him. Yeah. And decides that she would be happy to give up her weird little fishtail to have some legs yeah. uh, so she can run along the beach into the arms of, of Prince Eric. Kind of a dated um, concept to have in 2023. A little bit of a dated concept to have in 2023, but it the movie, this live action movie does acknowledge that okay. it is a little bit of a dated concept and it's not, it doesn't play out. I mean, it's fairly faithful to the original, mm. but they, 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 they smooth out some of those slightly um questionable moments and if you're a daily mail reading type you'd be like this woke very woke actually to do oh, that okay extremely woke to um just make some tiny little changes to make it a bit more palatable when did woke become a Far bad word woke. um five minutes after it was invented crazy eh? yeah uh stupid it just means that, being that you're nice. aware yeah yeah Awful. And it was like, anyway, are you so woke? And people get offended. It's like, I'd rather be woke than not. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so yeah, Sorry. and then another, you know, it's fine. Uh, Halle Bailey. Yes. Plays the Little Mermaid. Um, she is amazing. Mm. She, her voice is incredible. Mm. Um, she, there was some, there was some controversy when she was cast because she, you know, she isn't a white woman with, with red hair. <gasps> Ooh la la. Yeah, she has she has uh, dark f- skin. Oh no. Who cares? 
she's no. she's the right person for the role. Like this movie would be awful if she wasn't in it. Like I didn't particularly enjoy this movie because yeah. it's not really my thing. Like I watched the original animated film before I watched this one to, to remind myself of it because I'd only seen it once before. And I don't particularly like the original film. It's mm. fine. Um, and this is also fine, but it's, it is actually worth going and seeking out and checking out purely for the performance of Hal Bailey, Halle Bailey, mm. um, because I think she's set to be pretty big in the future if, uh, based on her performance here, because nice. her voice is incredible. Her performance is incredible. She's, you know, there's a, there's obviously, if you know the story of the Little Mermaid, there's an extended sequence in the movie where she can't speak and, you know, her performance oh, yeah. has to come entirely through, you know, her performance, her body movement and stuff and her facial movement. And um, she sells it amazingly well. Mm. Uh, and it's great. And the songs are good. And especially, you know, part of your world that she sings is really, really good. There's a couple of new songs in there that Lin-Manuel Miranda's written. Uh, the seagull in this one is voiced by Awkwafina, who gets a little rap with David Diggs, who's, who voices nice. Sebastian. Yeah. Um, which is pretty. I I I enjoyed that part. Part. Uh, some of the some of the photorealistic looks of the uh, fish and other animals are a bit odd. Especially flounder, <laughs> uh, voiced by Jacob Tremblay. Flounder looks like a nightmare, uh, <laughs> a mistake. But similar to the original movie, despite being an iconic little yellow fish, flounder's <gasps> barely in the movie. Oh my god. That what? is terrible. Oh, you're looking. At oh, it's God. terrifying. Flounder's like yeah. so cute usually, and this is just a fish. It's like Pumba from the live action oh. Lion King movie. They were like, well, we have to make him look like a real warthog. And it's like, well, no, because real warthogs look horrific. Yeah. And this so, looks Sorry like... to any warthogs listening. Sorry. But yeah. But no, this is not a good look for Flounder. No, he just looks like a wet fish because yeah. he is a wet fish. <laughs> yeah. But, and the eyes what? are just scary. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. but, but, you know. When she gets legs and goes off to the to the land, Flounder can't come with her because he's a fish. Yeah. So he vanishes from the movie for an extended period of time. Good. And you know what? That is fine. Yeah. Um, Cause... Melissa McCarthy is a bit un a bit uninteresting as as Ursula the villain. Okay. Especially as Lizzo um, campaigned hard to take the role of Ursula. Mm. And I am no big fan of Lizzo's music like you are. Yeah. But I think that she would have been a much more interesting casting choice than Melissa McCarthy. Uh, and I'd love to see mm. how she yeah. tackled the role. I've never seen it um, act, so you never know. Maybe... maybe. Yeah, maybe she'd have been absolutely terrible, but it yeah. would have been something. And, it, you know, whereas Melissa McCarthy just kind of does the same as the... I don't know, whatever. It's fine. If you love The Little Mermaid, maybe go and watch it. If you don't love The Little Mermaid, don't go and watch it. And within that sentence, I have exposed the farcical nature of reviewing films. Because either you want to go and see it, yeah. or you don't want to go and see it. Another film that you either want to go and see or don't want to go and see is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh. 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 This is a big, expensive movie. It's cost anywhere from... 200 million to 400 million dollars depending on who you listen to about okay. marketing costs etc um it's been coming for years they've they've been filming it for years they've been talking about making it for even longer um steven spielberg is not at the helm on this one like he has been for the other four indiana jones mm. movies it is james mangold instead uh james mangold being the man who directed logan among some other movies so is a pretty good director um Harrison Ford, obviously returning as Indiana Jones. Yes. He is now 81 years old oh as we speak God. today. Would have been in his very, very, very late 70s when production started. Uh, that's quite the age. 
yeah. for an action hero. Yes. Um, but he's come back for one final go at the whip, and it is very much one final go at the whip. And we've had, I mean, you like Indiana Jones, right? Love it. Love it. The, we've had four movies in the past. The three three of them movies are, I love. Three of them are indisputable classics. The fourth one, terrible. Yeah. Um, so a good opportunity to hopefully go out with a bang. On a more positive note. Yeah. yeah. A bit more of a bang. Um, the story here is looking at time, which is very apt as, you know, time has clearly been an issue for the, for the character of Indiana Jones. We are, we are meeting him here in the sixties. Okay. Uh, a good few years on from, um, you know, the original movies set in the 40s. It's yeah. now 1969. Jones is retiring from his job as a professor. Mm-hmm. He is an old man. Um, I'm going to spoil one small thing. He, he, la, 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 revealed... la, 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 You're not, you're not, you're not going to care, Alex. I want to watch it. But it's not relevant to the film. Fine. It's a small thing. It's, uh, it's just a good thing is that they, they reveal right at the very beginning that Shia LaBeouf's character from the previous movie is dead. Yes! Has died. He did. Um, so as the movie as the movie starts, Indiana Jones is in a bit of a rut. He's retired from his job. He's lost his son and his his uh, relationship with Karen Allen. Um, who you know Karen Allen being what's her character's name? Marion Ravenwood mm-hmm. has uh, deteriorated as a result of their child's death. So he's kind of living on his own. It's very sad. Um, but some characters from his past return. Uh, to go on an adventure with him. And to set up that adventure, this movie opens with a like 20 minute long sequence set in the 40s with Indiana Jones attempting to rescue some valuable artifacts from a castle that the, that the Nazis have uh, looted uh, somewhere in Europe. Mm. Um, and this is the sequence that's had a lot of attention because we are seeing Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones as he looked in nice. the first three movies. Um, and it's a little bit odd yeah. because you are looking at it and going, you're, you're, there's, a, there's an unfortunate thing of like, you're spending a bit more time looking at his face and thinking, is that exactly how he looked? <laughs> then you are paying attention to what's okay. going on in the movie. So it's a, it doesn't 100% work, but if you go with it, it's fine. And it's a fairly exciting sequence set on a train. Although I'm going to talk in a bit about another sequence set on the train that blows this one out of the water. But he's fighting people on top of the train and he's running around and Mass Mickelson's there and they're da 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 And then it cuts to 1969 and suddenly all of the things that happened at the start are returning and he's, he has to go off on an adventure to deal with it. At the start, his partner is Toby Jones playing Basil Shaw. And uh, when it cuts to 1969, his new partner for the rest of the movie is Helena Shaw, Toby Jones's daughter, played by... Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Waller and here, that's the big controversy for this movie because people love to detest Phoebe Waller-Bridge. They hate her so much. I can't work out why. Why? Beyond well, because the, beyond she the is, she's of... a woman, one. Uh, she's an incredible uh, writer, two. She's a good actress. Um, yeah. And she's just, uh, I would love to be her. Sure. That's yeah. why I hate her. No, I, no, yeah. I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She's incredible. I am ambivalent about Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But I don't dislike her. But I just what? don't have a strong. So opinion. people dislike her. How? Yeah, I don't know because it's not for being a big like, you know, she's not like an intense feminist social justice warrior type person. Really, she's just a creative woman who's made things that people liked, and it seems to upset and ruffle feathers. I don't quite fully understand it. Whatever. She's in this movie. 
And you know what? She's amazing in it. Yeah. I really... She makes the film completely uh, herself. Her character is not what you might expect. She's not... She's not the kind of Indiana Jones Jr. type character that you, you think she might be playing. Yeah. She is a totally different type of character. She has her own agency in the movie. Like, these are the things that people dislike her for, I suppose, is that, like, she brings in characters, female characters in blockbuster movies that have their own agency and oh, aren't just following no. the man around. No, um, not acceptable. But the movie doesn't make a point of that. There's no, like, yeah. woke moments where, like, they comment on the fact she's a woman. She just is... I, I don't understand why people find it so... So has there been comments of her not being good in this film? No, not not so much. It's more like the pre-release, you know, before ah, okay. the movie came out. Anyway, whatever. She's she's really good in it. She's mm. fun in it. She's enjoyable in it. She makes a really good partner for Harrison Ford. They clearly got on really well. They make a good duo. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, ultimately, I had pretty low expectations for this film. And I had a pretty good time with it. I enjoyed it. Nice. There were... There are some issues with it. Issue number one, pretty much every action sequence is like a chase sequence. Because mm. Harrison Ford, there's a couple of moments where he comes up against like a very big henchman. You know, like in the original one, he's fighting that guy when the plane's about to take off and the plane's spinning around as that absolutely enormous man and they're punching back and forth mm. and the guy ends up getting ripped apart by the rope blades on the plane. He can't do that now. Like there's another big giant henchman guy but every time Indiana Jones comes up against him, he finds a way to escape because he can't have a fight with a... No. a a man now because he's he's 81 years old yeah. so it sort of results in every big action sequence really being a chase sequence and it does get a little bit samey by mm. the end and it is like a two and a half hour film so that's just that's a bit of an issue but it's not enough to make it a terrible movie it's enough to make it not a masterpiece but mm. it's not terrible um and really that's that's the only real problem and again like when when it when india there are there are a couple of moments where he comes up against some danger and i got taken out of the movie for a second by being like, please don't hurt him. He's really old rather than like, oh, Indiana Jones is an exciting, pro you know, yeah. thing. It's more like, don't hit him. You can't hit him. Look at him. He's he's 80 years old. But um, other than that, it's, it's good. There's a great sequence uh, early on set in New York uh, during a uh, parade to welcome back the astronauts from the moon landing that Indiana Jones ends up racing through the parade on a horse and there's all this ticker tape flying through the air and it does look incredible. Like, you can see that money has gone into making this movie. Mm. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And you should watch it and check it out and let me know what you think when you get a chance. Definitely. But um, it's good. It's a good film. I was really worried about it, but no, I liked it. Good. I liked it. Uh, are you gonna go and see it? Yes, when I can, I will watch when it. It'll it'll be on Disney Plus. It'll be on Disney Plus Good. soon enough. Uh, the last movie I'm going to talk about today is 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 a uh, is the movie Mission Impossible. Yes. Dead Reckoning. Mm. Part one. Ah, oh, part one. Oh yeah. Oh. So is this the oh, final? Yeah, it's like is this like the end of Mission? This Impossible? the idea of this. Well, so they originally set this up as. He's going to make two more movies. He's going to fling himself into as many dangerous situations as he can to try and kill himself. And then that's the end of Ethan Hunt as the Mission Impossible yeah. hero. But now he's done an interview like this week uh, where he's been like, Harrison Ford's making Indiana Jones when he's 80. I, I, I'm gonna, I want to keep on making Mission Impossible. Like he's literally done an interview now. He's oh, gone, no. like, I'm going to keep going. Um, so who knows what's going to happen. Um... He is a a truly deranged man on like good and bad levels. Um, is he only but, doing that now? He's not doing any other films but Mission Impossible. 
Well, no, he did Top Gun Maverick last year. Oh, yeah, so yeah, Top Gun Maverick. He was making other movies. He hasn't really done anything else, has he? He seems to have pivoted, and I'm fine with this. He seems to have pivoted to, like, I want to be the big blockbuster action hero mm. making mainstream exciting cinema. And do you know what? It's good that somebody's out there that wants to do that. Yeah. That isn't just making movies on a green screen. Like I like Marvel movies. You like Marvel movies. Mm. Talks about Marvel movies loads. There is a point where it's like they're all stood in front of a green screen. They've all got green suits on, so they can you know CGI the suits in later. And when they have to fly around, they're being lifted up by cranes and stuff. Tom Cruise, for all his faults as a human being, he is getting in helicopters and piloting yeah. helicopters in action sequences. He is like there's a scene in this movie where he is riding a motorbike. He rides a motorbike off the side of a cliff. Uh, I think they filmed it somewhere in the Peak District in England or somewhere in Yorkshire. He rides this motorbike off this cliff. He lets go of the motorbike so it fly, falls to the ground below him. And then he skydives down to the ground, doing effectively a base jump, but off the side of a cliff that you mm. just would never do that off because it's too dangerous. And they filmed it on the very first day of filming, because if he died while doing the stunt, there'd be no point making the rest of the film. Oh. And to prepare for it, <laughs> yeah, to prepare for it, he did 30 skydives every day for months before they filmed it. Why is that why his face is all... <laughs> yeah. Like that, and, then they, and then they did the jump about 30 times itself wow. to get it perfect. Like, so that he's, is he's like some the, serious the commitment. Best paid stuntman in Hollywood then. Yeah, effectively. But he's doing, like, he is, like, imagine, like, he's he's riding a motorbike off the side of a cliff. If his foot gets caught in the pedal, he's dying. Like, there's no, yeah, there's no safety net mm. below. So he's, like, it, not really an actor anymore. He's just an adrenaline junkie, isn't he? Yeah, to a degree. But we're all, you know. You're there watching. He's, sti- he's also still an actor because, like, there are, see- that like, he brings, like, a very... His character in this movie is very intense and he's very, very good at playing it. Like he is he is acting in this movie and it's been so basically the setup of this movie is Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible Agent, has been a Mission Impossible Agent for 30 years. Um he's now been tasked with tracking down an algorithm. Mm-hmm. There's an AI algorithm that's been made by someone that has gone rogue and is potentially gonna destroy all of the world's intelligence agencies etc so what and what the american government want to do is they want to find it and control it so that they can use it against their enemies and that's what every other country wants to do so ethan hunt tom cruise's character goes rogue to try and take it and just destroy it Uh, but the the algorithm has a human cipher in the form of a face from his past uh, from 30 years earlier uh, that really rattles him and unsettles him. Uh, and the whole movie is him attempting to basically track down this key that supposedly will allow them to control the algorithm. And throughout the movie, he's assisted by Ving Rhames playing Luther, Simon Pegg as Benji, uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa Faust. All these characters are returning from previous movies. They're all very good in their roles. But new to this movie, and oh my God, this is almost her movie more than it's Tom Cruise's movie, is Hayley Atwell. Mm. as a character called Grace, I think. Let me just double check. Um, and she's it's she her character is really interesting because she's like an ordinary person. Well, she's a she's a she's a master thief oh. who they come across. Um but she's not a spy, she's not a secret agent. Yeah, she's called Grace. She doesn't live in this world of 
secret agents and things and she gets pulled into this mission uh and ends up kind of like being the sidekick to tom cruise's character throughout the rest of the film and she's really like Haley atwell is so good in this film mm. um like there's one sequence where and again this is really interesting there's a sequence where her and tom cruise are in rome and they end up in this tiny little yellow fiat and it's a reference to lupin Castle oh. of Caglia, you know the little yellow yeah. Fiat car. In that? It's a reference to that. Wow! Uh, and they're they're driving around in his car, and they've handcuffed themselves to each other for plot related reasons. So Tom Cruise is driving this car one handed, doing all these stunts. And again, he's actually doing it. He genuinely drove the car one handed, and they did all these stunts through the streets of Rome, down these stairs, all this stuff. And there's this one set of stairs. I think it's above the Trevi Fountain. No, I can't remember. I don't know Rome well enough, but it's this one set of stairs that's quite famous that kind of like goes like that. Do you know what ah, I mean? The, um, yeah, are they call the Spanish Steps? I think so. I think it's the Spanish Steps. Let me look up the Spanish Steps. Mm, no, it's not the Spanish Steps. I don't know what the steps are. Anyway, the point is, okay. the same exact steps appear in Fast and Furious 10. And the, oh. characters, the characters end up rolling down these steps and blah, blah, blah. And it looks awful. And bad hmm. and not entertaining. And in this movie, they have a car chase for almost the exact same part of Rome. And because they actually, I don't know if they genuinely went did stuff on the streets of Rome so much, but they must have filmed on Snape. Like, they are in a real space, actually hmm. for driving the car around. And it's so much more exciting and intense and engaging and funny and interesting. And it puts that fast x scene to shame and again at the end of this movie the final like 40 minutes is this extended incredible sequence on this train that's barreling through i think it's meant to be the netherlands but again i think they filmed it in um yorkshire somewhere and they built a train they built a real train Mm. genuinely they put it on tracks they drove it at 60 miles per hour and then tom cruise got on the top of this train with his co-star and they had a fight on top of the train while the train is moving and again it looks incredible and the almost exactly the same sequence is done in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but you've got a de-aged Harrison Ford in the middle of it. He looks like a computer. Everyone looks like they're on a green screen. And it's a it's an okay sequence. Mm. But when you watch Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and you see the same thing play out with them actually there doing it for real, it is so much more exciting. Yeah. And it, it's just... And then, you know, they they, dri- they drive this train off the side of a cliff and they genuinely drive, drive drove a train off the side of a cliff and you and it's crazy it's crazy and it's fun and it's exciting and it's what cinema should be and i think it's an absolute it's the best i think it might be my favorite mission impossible movie it's got so many wonderful scenes and sequences in it it's so exciting it's funny it's the best performance tom cruise has given in this character it's the best performance that simon pegg has given Haley atwell's incredible in it uh vanessa kirby is in it and she's wonderful uh, Mark Cerny, who was in, played a character called Kittredge in the original Mission Impossible film in 1996, okay. has returned for the first time since that first wow. movie, is in this movie, and he's so good in it. Mm. <sighs> I loved it. I absolutely, I had yeah. such a, it just had such a good time. Um, I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, I need to do a catch up. At the moment on Sky, they're doing all the Mission Impossible, so I might have to, like, just. Watch I'd love to. I'd, I'd. I know you have Tom Cruise issues, which I don't judge you for. Who does? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? But I'd love to know what you think of them yeah. because they are what? so like no one else. No one else is making like actual mm. practical stunt work anymore. Practical action sequences only like John Wick and Keanu Reeves is. You know the the, the advantage that that series has is that Keanu Reeves is our boy. We love him. Yeah, but. 
it's John Wick and, and, and Mission Impossible are the only two games in town that are actually really trying to show audiences something mm. genuinely spectacular. Um, and, you know. Yeah. I'm just checking where they did their stunts and it is the Spanish Steps. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, so it's, it, it goes to Spanish Steps and then Piazza di Spagna. But I'm not sure uh, if the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because they they go around that that fountain. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, it didn't look from the first photo I saw, but yeah, they do. So they they barrel down those steps. I'm sure they didn't actually use the real Spanish steps. No, but I don't think so. You can. You, no. They don't. They don't allow you to sit down on those steps. Wow. It's ridiculous. But, um, Their steps. They they must have recreated them somehow. Or didn't, yeah. They did. They do something to make it look amazing. It's it's so good, so impressive. Um. So. That's that's Mission Impossible: Dead nice. Reckoning Part One. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part Two is. Even crazier, supposedly. Although production of that has shut down. Um, yes, everything yeah. has shut down. Everything has shut down and everything should shut down yeah. until the movie studio bosses stop being inhuman demons and just give the people that make their films and make their profits for them the basic things, the human decency that they're asking for. Did you see the CEO um, of Disney, what he said? Yeah, 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 yeah. From yeah, his, like, I think it was from his private island or from somewhere where he got, like, you know, saying, oh, it's unreasonable to pay them this amount of money while he gets paid like $75,000 a day. The to- the total amount that they're asking for is something like, I think it's the writers, not the actors, but the, the total amount that the writers are asking for for the entirety of the industry of Hollywood would amount to something like $400 million a year, which they're making <laughs> movies that bring in billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. these are billionaires. Like yeah. 400 million is nothing to them. It's disgusting. Yeah. So yeah, shut down production of every film and TV show and, until they... Uh, but it's horrible because people, you know, I've I'm I work in uh, an industry where I've had to go on strike recently, and just doing a day here and there is tough. It, it really your paycheck, yeah. You you notice it, and these people aren't just on strike one or two days a a month; they're on strike permanently at the moment, yeah. and that must be so difficult and hard. And yeah, you know, uh, it's horrible, and I hope it all gets resolved as quickly as possible. Not so that I can get my lovely delicious movies back but so that these people can, can afford to, to live um awful i just it just i just find it disgusting like how executives like, with all the money they have they say it's not viable to for them to pay people a living they wage. earn they earn all these executives earn over 20 million dollars a year like yeah. they could or they could they oh it's f, f them yes yes so carry on uh, striking and i'm glad that the actors are there in solidarity and also some actors are not pay, getting paid enough you know oh yeah i know yeah like so, you know we're not talking about jennifer lawrence and mel street yeah. and tom cruise we're talking about background act, act, but people who make who, people who scrape a living yeah sitting sitting in the backgrounds of scenes and stuff who are now being asked to have their likenesses scanned so that they can just be digitally recreated forever insane <sighs> awful behavior yeah. okay so that's all the films i want to talk about two more things quite quickly um a TV show that I've watched two episodes of this morning and is worth referencing. Have you heard of Jury Duty? No. Oh, oh, Alex. So there's it's this show. It's on Freevee, the Amazon Prime Video free channel thing where you have to watch adverts with stuff. Oh. But it's a it's a Freevee original, so it should be oh, available to you. We don't have it. We don't have Freevee in. You might Italy. have a version if you look on Amazon Video. I'm sure you've got Jury Duty on there. Is it there? TV show. No. No, because, oh, wow. yeah, it's, I've got um, Prime Italy. Oh, wow, I'm surprised it's not on there. 
Um, well, what it is, is it's a reality show. Oh. Uh, it's a reality TV show following um, a jury, as allowing unprecedented access to a jury as they view and preside over a criminal case. Yes? Mm. The thing about it is, every single person from the judge, the defendants, everyone on the jury, they're all actors acting, except for one man who thinks he's on an actual jury. <gasps> oh, no. Uh, yeah. That sounds awful. <laughs> Poor uh, including the famous actor James Marsden off of Cyclops from X-Men and he's in The Notebook and yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog movie. He's in it playing himself as if he's been called up for jury duty and he tries to get out of it because he's a famous actor. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing, so the, so two things straight away. The man, I think he's called Ronald, who is the real man who thinks he's actually on a jury and he's just part of a reality show. Yeah. He is seemingly the nicest man in the world. Oh. And the show seemingly works because he's just a, a normal guy who just, like, odd things are happening around him and he's just kind of going, wow, okay, well, that was weird. But, like, he doesn't seem to be able to suspect any... I've watched two episodes, the episode where they all meet and the jury gets selected and the episode of the opening arguments regarding the case. And, um, you know, weird, mad things keep happening and his reactions to them are all really sincere and nice and pleasant and he just seems like they found the perfect person oh. for it. Um, and it's not none of it is none of it is making fun of him. Mm. It's just everyone else acting pretty weird around him and watching his um, reactions and stuff. And uh, supposedly he's all good. He's all happy. The whole show's aired and stuff, and he's it's all 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 well and good for him. Um, but it's very 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 funny. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, like in the first episode. There's this guy, like the real guy, Ronald, is talking to this other person and they're talking about, like, how can we get out of jury duty? I don't want to do it. I've, this guest actor's making up a story about how he has to go and visit his girlfriend and things. And Ronald says, like, oh, well, there was this one thing I saw on Family Guy, but it probably wouldn't work. And he's like, oh, what is it? And he's like, well, on this one episode of Family Guy, Peter gets out of jury duty by pretending to be racist. And then later, <gasps> when they're doing the jury selection, this guy stands up and claims for a moment... And he's looking over at Ronald and Ronald's just doing that, shaking his head like, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Obviously, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's worth, <laughs> I'd recommend watching it. I've watched two episodes and I'm ready to watch the whole series in one setting pretty much. It's, yeah. um, it's addictive. So Joy Duty, excellent. Uh, and finally, the new album. The album. The album from Polly Jean Harvey, PJ Harvey, mm. iconic, uh, iconic singer-songwriter, uh, this is her 10th studio album, I Inside the Old Year Dying, um, her return after the Hope 6 Demolition Project, I think was released in 2016, so it's been a good few years since we've had an album from BJ Harvey, but in the meantime, she has released a book of poetry called Orlam, mm. which is the first full-length book written entirely in the Dorset dialect, a oh. specific dialect of English from the location of Dorset, uh, in like a hundred years or something. Wow. And, um, she released it last year and I bought it last year and I never read it. And then she announced this new album, I Inside the Old Year Dying, which effectively takes like 10 of the poems from this book of poetry and 
adapts them into songs. Mm. So I've now read All Am, the book of poetry, and I've listened to the album I Inside the Old Year Dying. And um, the book is, it's it's a book of poetry, but it's, it's effectively meant to be one long epic poem. It's like a coming of age story about this girl growing up in Dorset. And, and you know, it's a very odd, weird story. She comes, she goes into the woods and meets ghosts and she comes across this character that she calls, um, oh, what does, she, what does she call him? Something, Wyman Elvis. Wyman Elvis, who who bears the word, and the word is love me tender, and it's like mm. this weird soldier version of Elvis Presley. It's a very peculiar, weird world she creates. The book of poetry was very difficult to understand, uh, but I did read the whole thing, and I enjoyed it, but it's, a, it's an intense read. The album is unlike anything she's ever done before. It doesn't have court. It's not a rock album. It's not a pop album. It's very folky. It features loads of like found sounds, like sounds of children playing and nature sounds and things like this. Mm. And the lyrics are adapted from this book. So a lot of the lyrics are in this Dorset dialect using words and language that you haven't come across before. Other than the word wordle, which doesn't mean a word puzzle here. Mm. Apparently the word wordle in the original Dorset dialect means world. So when she's singing about the wordle, she's singing about the world and stuff like that. And, okay. Um, I really, 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 really like it. It's a very, very good piece of work. It's easily going to slip people by because it came out the same day as uh, Taylor Swift's re-recorded version of Speak Now and <gasps> things like that. So it's it's yeah. easily missed. Um, but I Inside the Old Year Dying by PJ Harvey is um, a really, really wonderful thing. Mm. And I'd recommend that people... Go and check it out if you like something a little bit off the beaten path. Even even on the merits of PJ Harvey's previous work, this is really off the beaten path. But it's it's fun stuff. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth listening to. What have you got? Sorry for talking for so bloody long. It's fine. I love hearing your voice, George. <laughs> yes. Um. First of all, I need to go and close all the shutters to keep Cerberus out, and I'll be back. Okay. Okay, never thought I would say that. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, just, I just discovered while you were doing that that the, the creator of Jury Duty, that I was talking about a few minutes earlier, is also the director of the Jennifer Lawrence movie, No Hard Feelings. So he's uh, having a pretty good year. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So um, where shall I start? Um, oh, you you, rec- you told me I should watch um, uh, The Outer Banks. Because you think oh, you yeah. like it. I managed to watch about 20 minutes and they're way too attractive in that to, for me to be interested. <laughs> oh, really? <Is laughs> they're it, just is... too like, they're supposed to be teenagers and they're like super ripped and super attractive. And they're super... Uh, it's too much DOC. Yeah, I, no, I'm not. I need, I didn't. Nah, I don't need that. So I, I tried it. Fair um, play. And I've been watching a lot of Succession. I managed to finish season two. Have you been going on with the Succession? Yes, I am now on to episode five of season three will be now my next one, I think. Okay, I'm on episode one of season three. Okay. And my the calmness that I had the first two seasons is kind of going away and I'm getting a little bit more like, no, I don't want to care. Why do I care? Don't care. <laughs> I don't want to care about these people. No, uh, why but, do you care? Who do you care about? Uh, a little bit about Kendall. Come on, he's awful. Terrible I man. kind of, I don't know. Like, yeah, and sometimes Shiv. Shiv makes me sad sometimes because I want her to I, succeed. Um, Roman, uh, I after hate he got, Shiv. Oh, really? She's so fake and like, 
like whenever she's in front of people and she says something witty, you can tell it's like really, something she's been rehearsed. Like the performance by Sarah Snook is oh, incredible. Oh, she's amazing, yeah. Because um, you can really, like, you can tell when she's been rehearsing something yeah. to say and it's just such a line. She just has these yeah. lines that are like, oh, that's cringy. Yeah. And then, like, whenever she's called up to actually do anything, she's always like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. yeah. It's like, what, what do you want then, Shiv? Like, you want to be the... The, the CEO of Royce, but every time you're given an opportunity to, sh- to prove yourself in yeah. any way, you just go, oh, no, no, absolutely not. Like, yeah. she's so... She's so scared because also oh. even even when she went, uh, she needed to get a lawyer at the end, I think it's the beginning of season three or the end of season two. It's the beginning of season three. It's the beginning of season three and she goes yeah. to get the lawyer and she completely fluffs it. Yeah. It's just like... Come on, Shiv. You know, you, this is your opportunity. I don't. I don't really feel bad for anyone. I still don't care. But I'm getting these pangs of like, I don't want to care, but a little bit, I care a little bit. But they yeah. were awful. They're all terrible still. Yeah. But, but I mean, such... the, the ending. The ending of season two is shocking. Shocking. I, didn't see it I was coming. not expecting this. This show goes to places that I do not expect. Like no. I was like, Kendall is 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 under uh, Logan's thumb. And he'll do anything. And Logan is an ass. He'll he'll kill anyone to succeed. Mm-hmm. And Logan is Kendall's dad, who is not watching Succession. And who should watch? Everybody should watch Succession. Um, but uh, and the ending of season two is just yeah, it's really wild. And that's stuff. when I was like, oh, maybe I like Kendall a little bit. Maybe maybe there is something about him. I don't do you know? know? Do you know what? Season three, mm. a little bit slow. Is it? It's all still like I'm. I'm four episodes in, and it's all still kind of dealing with the fallout of what mm. happens at the end of season two. It's not set out on its own path so okay. much. Mm. Um, I've, apparently it gets better, and people love season four, so I'm I'm gonna stick with it. But yeah, season two I think was. Season, season two, two is amazing, incredible. The scenes in front of the uh, Congress. <gasps> And then, Amazing. Oh, and then he's like, when do you Ken- know Greg? And he's like, no. And they were like, what? <laughs> you can't just say no. <laughs> There's pretty clear evidence that oh, you know Tom Greg. Oh, Tom just fluffs it completely. <laughs> yeah. Tom is such a... I had a little bit of respect for Tom when they, was, he's on the beach with Shiv. Oh, and that tells scene him, is heartbreaking. Yeah, when he... You, I think you see the real Tom and yeah. he kind of like says, no, you're messing around with me and I'm not happy. Um... And uh, Greg is <sighs> terrible. Yeah, Greg's Greg's Awful. wild. The the bit Awful. where he, the bit where he has to to um speak in front of them, and then he comes back into that room, and Logan just kicks him out immediately. Yeah, he's such a little baby. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I I think we should do a special about that. Yeah. Well, we'll spoilers. Yeah, one, where we once can, we like, both finished it. Yeah, so we can we'll say do a more. Um, but yeah, and then um, I watched this film knowing that it was going to be bad, but giving it a chance. Since I can't go to the cinema here because the only films in English, well, the only cinema that does the only cinemas that do films in English are kind of not open in the summer because you know we're in Italy. So yeah, so I watch Netflix films, which is okay. not bad. But I watched this film um, uh, called The Outlaws. Oh, okay. I know. This is meant to be really bad. Oh, I had a little... I, I watched the trailer and I was like, looks bad. Is this bad. a film with, with Pierce Brosnan? Yeah. So I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, it looks bad. But I was like, come on. The cast has got Pierce Brosnan and Ellen Barkin, who are amazing. Yeah? Yeah. So yeah. 
if Piers Brosnan and Helen Barkin say yes to this film, there must be some kind of like, you know, good about there's something there must be something good about it no yeah um and there are some things that are okay but it's um well it's just basically this film uh starring adam divine who has not left unfortunately his role of uh the guy in pitch perfect and has been doing that for the past 10 yeah. years i do like him though i've got a soft spot i've for got him. a soft spot for him but it's just in this film is overacting like overacting mm. and he's about to marry his fiance parker mcdermott played by uh the wonderful nina dobrev no chemistry there they had no chemistry so it didn't felt like I, at one point i thought that maybe she was the con artist i don't know right um, Spe- speaking of netflix films and no chemistry i was reading into that jonah hill movie this week where they have to cgi do, do the kiss with cgi at the end have you seen that did they have to do that yeah. Oh my god. I I wanted to watch that film to see how bad it was. I think I think I'm just going to do a series of like just watch so, crappy films. So did you see that Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend came out with a load of allegations against him? Yeah. Yeah. So one of them was like you can tell from the text she's posted on Instagram that the day they were meant to be filming that kiss, they had this big argument and he'd asked her in the morning, is it okay if I kiss someone on camera? Yeah. Uh and then he was having to go at her for being a surf a surfer that yeah has pictures taken of her so she was basically saying like i told you it was fine to do the kiss and, da, da, da. and he'd obviously gone right well then i won't do it and he obviously refused to do it and if you watch the clip of the movie you people the bit at the end where he kisses his i think she's called sarah london maybe his his yeah. uh, partner in it uh it's not even like their lips just sort of get morphed into no. this th- it's very weird it's very very weird anyway sorry <laughs> Jonah Hill is. Did you see what Jay Baruchel? I know he said it years ago, but it it kind of has resurfaced. But like, do you know who Jay Baruchel is? No. He's in the movie uh, This Is the End. Have Mm. you seen This Is the End? Yeah. And like, he's in a bunch of other films, but like, the whole joke in This Is. He's the guy from. um, Oh, the film where he's a nerd and he ends up going out with a girl who's too attractive for him. It's called She's Too Hot for You. James? No. What's it called? Jay Baruchel. Ah, Jay Baruchel. She's out of my league. It was in She's Out of My League. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who he is. Sorry. Uh, Anyway, so in the joke, the joke in This is the End is that he hates Jonah Hill and Jonah Hill hates him. Apparently, that's just real. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's just the real life. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like an awful Anyway, yeah, never and also mind. like all these like you know all these like alt right people kept coming out like he set boundaries. It's like those are not boundaries; those are preferences. He doesn't want his girlfriend to do her job to be a surfer and to be in a bikini. Well, that's not a boundary; that's a preference that you have. You want to take away your your girlfriend's identity. Never mind. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so this is a uh, um, is uh, Adam Devine uh, is a. Uh, bank manager and he's gonna marry this uh his the love of his life um nina dobrev and um he has never met his par- her parents because they live uh in south america with the tribe and um but suddenly uh they decide to come to their wedding and um and they show up and they seem very you know interesting and the parents are played by pierce brosnan and ellen barkin and um, 
one evening they take uh, Owen, uh, Adam Demine, out and uh, he gives them all the codes for the, the, the bank vault. I think that's what it's called, no? Sure. Uh, of his bank. And uh, the next day uh, they rob it. And he tries to prove that they, and tries to convince his girlfriend that her parents are bank robbers. Um, well, why did he give them the codes to the bank? Ah, uh, because he got really drunk and he's really silly and uh, okay. Um, so there are some funny bits in this film. There are some things that like make it funny, but it's just not funny enough. Like comedy, like what happened to like real funny comedies? You know, no you hard said feelings. Yeah, no hard feelings. I'm, I really want to watch it, and uh, it's not bad, bad this film, but it is not great and the chemistry between the characters is awful there is it's just i just wish it was better you know i would need some good comedy and there isn't any mm-hmm. i need some good rom-coms and there aren't any what's happening to this world um but yeah it's an hour and a half and if you just uh, want to watch something in the background there, there are some funny bits but uh, it's not really believable because also there's a there's a performance of um in this all this mix there is another person that gets involved and so they have to rob another bank uh, which is um uh Rehan which is played by Puna Jaganathan who is she plays the mom in Never Ever Ever so I was really excited to see her but she's doing a Russian accent and I'm like I just I'm not very good when people do Russian accents anymore and they're not Russians. Uh, and then I watch an, a Netflix series called uh, a Netflix, um, what's it called? Reality TV series called Love Village. Okay. So, you know, in England, you have Love Island. <sighs> well, only in a very cursory sense do I yeah. know that. But yes, I've never I'm seen aware. it. I never watched it. But sometimes on TikTok, there's these like videos of like these good, you know, very brown girls with blonde hair with these like very brown buff guys you know get together um or very oily as well i don't know if you oily and tanned oily and tanned um well this is um <laughs> this is set in japan uh in uh in a house in an old in an old uh rural house in a inaka in japan oh it's terrace house uh, no, it, well, it doesn't, it's not Terrace House. So this concept started years ago in the 90s with uh, Love Wagon, where there was this group of uh, three girls and three boys uh, until the age of 30, uh, where they would travel around, uh, they traveled around Africa and then they traveled around Asia and they would um, trying to find love. And so they would get to know each other. And then if somebody, but we, they can't talk about their feelings. And um, once somebody starts having feelings for somebody, then they spend more time with them. And then when they decide to confess their love, they need to go to production and um, tell them that they're going to confess their feelings. Production will give them a ticket back to Japan. And then the person the next day would confess their feelings. And then if the person that they confessed their feelings to said yes, they would get two plane tickets and go back to Japan together. But if the person you confessed your feelings to said no, you would go back to Japan by yourself and the person would stay in the love wagon and then another person would replace the person that left. 
Okay. Because of COVID, they couldn't really travel anymore. So they decided to do Love Village. But it's not young people anymore. It's from 35 to 90 or something. So it's older people. So it's like three men and three women. Okay. that uh, work on this house, uh, a real uh, old Japanese traditional house. So every day they do tasks. Instead of traveling, they do tasks. So they have to redo the floor and they have to redo the roof. And, you know, they work every day in this in this house. Uh, they have a vegetable garden and they're trying to find the last love of their life. Um, and at the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, I miss my love wagon. You know, I like when... You know, that was quite exciting because, you know, these um, the older generation seem to be a bit too straightforward, but it is wonderful and addictive. And what happens is incredible. And the couples that are formed are so much fun. And um, it's just interesting. It's just really fun. And if you um, fancy watching something in Japanese about uh, older people, well, older people, you know, are, you know, 35 year olds to what nine-year-olds falling in love then watch love village on netflix it sounds <laughs> i don't know i wasn't convinced the first two episodes but then i just ate it up it's so ate cool. it up ate it up you ate it up yes yes okay because you get you get you you know you get really these people are actually looking for like companionship rather than just love, you know, and the difference between the, the love wagon of the 20 year olds, they're like looking for love, but they are like actually looking for companionship and for someone. And it's just really nice. Oh. Yes. Love village. Love village. Okay, cool. Sounds In good. on Netflix. Netflix. Um, and then I staying in Japan, I read a book. Uh, I read a book by uh, Sayaka Murata, who has written Convenience Store Woman and Earthlings. Oh. I spoke about both of those books and this new book, uh, her third book translated in every language in the world, has come out. And um, uh, it's a story and it's called Life Ceremony. Life Ceremony. Yes. And it's a collection of uh, short stories. Uh, there are 12. And uh, they're interesting short stories. So what, what she, she always writes about kind of not being, um, the difficulties of not being a proper member of society in Japan. So in Convenience Store Woman, it was this uh, lady that didn't really want to get married, but, you know, she was... 35 so she was supposed to get married and so she kind of um finds a way to uh to overcome that try to 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 try to be traditional and in earthlings it's about an 11 year or 12 year old that um because of her 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 life on her, the life and her family that she's having, she's kind of thinking that she's a she's an alien. So mm. she always talks about not really being part of this society. And the same in these short stories, like every short story is about um, uh, these women that are like, you know, they're, they're living in the society, but they don't really belong. So um, there are, and now there is one, there is a man as well in the first one. Um, there is a man that is not really convinced about uh, 
uh, something that is happening. And it's all with her books is all about um, and these short stories is all about kind of it's not necessarily reality. There's there's kind of it's kind of like a warped reality that mm-hmm. she uh, she talks about. And uh, it, they are fascinating. Some of them are really creepy and uh, weird and some of them are quite funny. Um, but she kind of there's there's a little bit of like you know cannibalism in these uh, in these stories and there is a uh, weird kind of split personalities in others kind of trying to she flips what is conventional in japan and makes stories about it and i love how she writes and she's very straightforward it's very it's a very interesting book and um i definitely would recommend to read sayaka murata all of her books and i didn't realize she wrote quite a few short stories but the only ones that are translated in english are convenience store woman um earthlings and the life ceremony um but yeah have, have, did you did you read convenience store woman yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I really liked it it was brilliant so i think you might like this one as well i'm not sure if you're gonna like earthlings um but i i think i think this one is interesting because also it's like they're short stories and they're quite fascinating and uh, mm. different um mm. uh one from the other and lastly i listened to an album so <sighs> i am going to my first concert since 2019 wow yeah so it's been uh four years now and i'm going to see the last band that i saw in 2019 i'm going to see it again uh, uh the japanese rock band one okay rock is coming to Italy. Wow. Wow. So I am going to see them. You introduced me to this band. Uh I did. many years ago, many moons ago. And uh they've been like kind of like, you know, it's kind of been good and bad, the music they've made. Yeah, they've been a bit up and down, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. The last albums the last album they did, Eye of the Storm, was a bit poppy and you know it's like one okay rock you know don't want to be poppy but live when they toured the album was really good so i really enjoyed that album while they're touring live so they released an, um they they had released a new album in september 2022 mm-hmm. but i've been listening to it a lot uh the past few weeks to you know because i'm going to see them and yeah. it's called luxury disease luxury disease yeah in this album they went a little bit they've gone a little bit more rocky Okay, that's uh, good. They've gone back a little bit to kind of rocky. They've been in America and there are some songs that like kind of kind of resemble uh, Panic at the Disco. <laughs> okay. Yeah, mm. and uh, so they've gone a little bit and like a bit of My Chemical Romance as well. So they've Ooh. gone back, they're a bit rocky, but kind of... Emo-y. Emo-y, Emo-y. yes, yes. So I think there's a song that you would really like, which I think sounds more like the most like Panic at the Disco, which is called... Um, Shibuya uh, Neon and it talks about Shibuya Lights and that's a pretty cool song okay. um, and uh, it's, not, it's not a bad album I'm looking forward to listening uh, to it live and I think you might enjoy some of their songs um, their label which I didn't know is Fueled by Ramen yes yes and uh, now they're, it's only Fueled by Ramen their Japanese label is not there anymore oh really yeah that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, it's better than the Eye, Eye of the Storm. And I think you might like it. Okay, I will, I will check it out. 
Yes, and this is the one o'clock that we saw live as well uh, together. Yeah, we did. We did at the um, Fuji Rock. Fuji Rock, yeah. That's when, uh, what what, what they were playing, like their best one. Was it Jinsei X Boku? Uh, It was 35. Ah. 35, that album. Yes. Was the new one when we saw them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is a very good album, and then yeah, the one before that is is the Jinsei X Boku album, mm. which is also a very good album. Yes, I know there is one song that you might not enjoy in this album because they're really good friends with Ed Sheeran, and uh, it kind of sounds a little bit like that, which is Renegades towards the end. But ah, oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. I live. Uh, that's cool. So yeah, and that's it for me. Uh, for culture catch up, I like I I I didn't like their last couple of albums, but before that, I I really 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 like them. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to maybe giving them another go. Do Thank it. you so much. I will. Um. Okay. Uh, do you want to do some my tube? Yes, please. Good. I've got a bunch of stuff today. Have you got anything? I have absolutely nothing. Um, I think you've probably already seen this uh, video because it's pretty big okay. right now. But you tell me. If it's the Billie Eilish one, I haven't. It's not. Okay. It's this. Oh, Olivia Rodrigo, Vampire. I have not watched this video. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Because I, I didn't really like the Billie Eilish video. I've, yeah. Uh, but this I do like, so I'll be interested to know what you think. What do you think of Olivia Rodrigo in general? I like her. I like her a lot. She does take inspiration from lots of other artists. She uh, does. But I think it's fine because the inspiration takes she takes from other artists is kind of like from all the artists. And maybe it's good to kind of like reintroduce that kind of pain and angst and uh, wonderfulness. Yeah. Elvis Costello was very chill about her stealing his song. <laughs> Yeah, um, and there's there is a song that sounds a lot like Radiohead and um in her previous album, but yeah, fun. well, and the, the Paramore and Taylor Swift both um took took their cut of songwriting royalties from songs that sound like their songs, which I don't know how to feel about all that. But anyway, she's got a new song. She's mm. returning. Her new album, her second album, Guts, is out in September, I think. Okay, and this, is the, this is the lead single, Vampire. And uh, it's quite the song. And the video is pretty good. So let's okay. see what you think. You ready? Yeah. The V for vampire is not capital. And that irritates the shit out of me. I think it's intentional. I think it's an artist. I know, I know, trust. I know. That's the thing. When, the, when there are no capital letters, it really... Oh, Olivia Rodrigo looking like a vampress. Or somebody mm. is going to be sucked by a vampire. Uh-oh. Gorgeous. 
So very mellow, breathy vocals. Yes, she has got a great voice. Who's it about, though? That's the big question. She has been heartbroken. Again? Or the same person? Well, I don't know. The thing is... Yes, I love Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> I like Olivia Rodrigo. But I can still... It's not one of those artists that you listen to her song and you go like, Oh... I've never heard this sound before. Like, yeah. all of her music is kind of like, I've heard something like this before. Even if it's not copied, it's not 100% original. True. Yeah. The video is pretty good, though. Yeah, it's I good, think. it's good. So she's been just hit by uh, light. Turns out she was on a stage. Yes. Everyone's and she was performing watching. for somebody. Every girl I ever talked to told me you were bad, bad. Yes. You called them crazy. God, I hate the way I called them. You're right that it's not... But... I don't, I, I don't know behind the scenes how much of her own songwriting she's doing, but, like, it is good songwriting when you hear her songs. Like, they're well-written, good yes. pop songs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Girls your age know better. I've made some real big mistakes. Yeah. And now she's like all bloodied and the stage is going like, you know, on fire. And the people are just watching. And they're trying to get her out of stage. And she's like, no. She's acting. Because she's an actor. I didn't know, you know, she came from the high school musical Disney Plus show originally. Oh, I didn't know it was High School Musical, but I know she was a Disney, one of the Disney people. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's original, but, like, the last big thing she did before she was a famous singer was um, she starred in the High School Musical, the musical, the series on, on Disney+, Plus, which I haven't seen. Yeah. But it's, it's meant to be pretty good. Yeah. And she's so famous now, it would be odd to watch a show that she's just in. Yes. Yes. I wonder who wrote this song, if she wrote it, or... Oh, so now she's escaped the stage. And she's free. Do we know who this song is about? No. There's some rumours that it's about Taylor Swift. Why? <gasps> well, I'll explain in a moment. Uh, the right songwriters credited on this song are Olivia Rodrigo and Dan Nigro. Yeah, Dan Nigro, who is, yeah, is a songwriter. Uh, and the producers are listed as Olivia Rodrigo and Dan Nigro, so she is mm. taking a a role in writing her songs, which you know. That's why I think I think she's she writes her own songs and this because, right. yeah, because I think because that's why they're not really like she thinks inspirations from people she loves. Yeah, I think. Um, but I have I have I have time for her. I've got a lot of time for her. So yeah, supposedly she used to post all the time on social media about how much she loved Taylor Swift and yeah. she was obsessed with Taylor Swift and there was a photo of them together and they met and things. But then Taylor Swift sort of sued her for songwriting re credit royalties on one of the songs that 
from her first album that sounds okay. like a Taylor Swift song. And since then, she's not ever spoken again about Taylor Swift. So the big rumour is that there's a big mm. rift. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it sounds mm. more to me like it's about a sp- an, an ex-partner, romantic partner, but I, yeah. I also don't know. But I think the song is bloody good. Yeah, it's good. I like bloody, it. Bloody, ruddy good. Bloody good. Bloody yes. good. Um, <laughs> for a very different tone, do you know? Do you know the British indie rock band Yard Act? No. Oh, I want to show oh. you a little bit of Yard Act. Yard Act. Ah, oh, Yard Act, like Yard, like Yard. Come yes. from my yard. Okay. So they are. Um, they're from Leeds in okay. Yorkshire. Yeah. They're very different from Olivia Rodrigo. Absolutely. Um, they've but they've just put out. So they put out their debut album last year. It went to number one. It did very well in the UK. They're pretty big in the UK now. Um, they've got a very specific sound and vibe to them. So I'm going to play you a little bit of uh, the big song from their first album, and then I want to play the the new music video they've just put out because it's very, very ambitious and interesting, and I'd like okay. to what you think of it. But this is what they this is their what made them sort of big. This song. That's him. That's the Yard Act Man, whatever okay. his name is. Okay. You can see him wearing his favorite item of clothing there. Yes, he's at a yard sale. Or a boot sale, if we're in the UK. Is that a yard sale? Oh, no, we're not America. Boot sale. Yes. Okay. So, some blur vibes. What? Uh, like park life? Yeah. Sort of yeah. Park life vibes. Interesting. Yeah, what what do you think of this? Yeah, I like it. I want, I want you to hear the chorus before I turn it off. So, so that's that's Yard Act. Okay. Uh, their first album is a lot of songs like that. Him sort of almost rapping, rap singing about various things. Yeah. Um. Uh, but um, very like down to earth, mm. normal stuff. Uh, a bit like the Archie Monkeys' first album, where it's all like, okay. oh, he's just a, a lad. They've just put out, they've not even announced an album, but they've put out this song called The Trenchcoat Museum, and the video for it is very arty and different from what you've just seen, mm. and uh, I really like it, and I would like to know what you think of it, starting now. Where okay. are we? Welcome to the Trenchcoat Museum. Okay, a Trenchcoat Museum. And she's trying to pay with her wrist. Here's your complimentary There's no mm-hmm. subtitles available, annoyingly. Might need wine into the okay. Start. So it's a museum. And... Oh, the subtitles are in the video. That's yeah. <laughs> so the audio guide is kind of like 
<laughs> alive. So Yardaks, do they wear trench coats? He wears a trench coat, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's very different from that first song you showed me. Right? Yes. So it's kind of like English rapping. English white rapping. Yeah, quite the thing. <laughs> So it's a song about trench coats. So he must love trench coats. I guess he does. I don't know why. It's a little bit like pulp as well, I think. Yeah, they've changed a lot their their sound. This is definitely more original than the other one. Like what I was saying about Oliver Rodrigo, what I heard in the other song, I kind of heard it before, but this one is kind of a little bit more them. It's a bit, yeah, it feels very unique. Yeah, yeah. And I really like the video, like it's very, you know, they were very down to earth before, but this is... Like an it's art just people piece. on trench coat with trench coats on, dude. <laughs> no, it's more than that. Okay, everybody's in a trench coat in this video and dancing in a room. Yes. But his look is a little bit weird isn't it because you that you have glasses and a trench coat and maybe people with trench coats might be associated to some kind of maybe not you know maybe pub like you know people that go to parks and wearing trench coats and then expose themselves you know yeah so is this the kind of look that he's going for it seems to be ah okay so he's yes but now they're all doing a weird dance. Yes, the trench coat dance. The, the trench coat dance. So this trench coat museum seems like the place to be. Yeah, and it's in Yorkshire, I believe. Is it? Well, they, at the end of the video it says they filmed it in Huddersfield, so yeah, that's, that's oh. good old Yorkshire times. Is that, is that near you? Uh, it's close enough. Yeah. It's about an hour's drive away from me. I could have been in this video. Yeah, wearing ask. your trench coat. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the video is quite long, but it does go. Hang on. So it does end up. It goes a bit more. They bring in a story a little bit later. So let's cut to that. Okay. So the. So the party's carrying on in the museum and well, she has to leave or something. Oh no, somebody's... Some assassins have arrived to try and kill her. 
Oh, why? Who knows? I don't know. That's what I was saying about it being oh, vicious and weird. Oh, she's pretending to be a mannequin. Oh, and then she started dancing again. Well, this is like the credits, but all okay. the all the characters have got weird names. Misunderstood. Human being. Old salty. Catherine Walker. That's a normal name, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what's going on now. Interesting. So that's that's Yard Act, Alex. That is Yard Act. Watching of Yard Act. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think I like the second song better than the first song. Yeah, that's fair. Um, they're cool and interesting, and like they 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 did a song. There's a song called 100 Percent Endurance, and Elton John was such a big fan that they re-recorded it with him on piano, which is so unusual. Yeah. Elton John's a cool I like Elton John in Elton a way. Elton John is amazing. He loves new music. Like yeah, if yeah, you yeah. listen to Elton John talking about like new artists, he's so into them. It's like yeah. go Elton. Love well done, you, man. Elton John. I'm I'm yes. a big fan. Right, that's some music. I've also got some film trailers for you if you if you're okay with that. Yes. So, so we, Okay. So this is a film like I'd never ever heard of this movie. Um <laughs> it's called The Creator. Why are you laughing? What's funny? It's like, I've never heard of this movie. It's like, well, most movie you haven't heard of until they come out, no? No, but like, I, not me. <laughs> I, like, I guess. The trailer came on before Mission Impossible and it's unusual for me to see a, tra- a trailer in a cinema that is uh, a film okay. I haven't heard of yet. Um, and I think it looks amazing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be proved wrong, but I'm really blown away by this trailer. I'm interested in what you think. Okay. So The creator teaser the, trailer. <clears throat> the creator teaser trailer. Okay, so we're in, I guess, in a world. Uh, what's it called when it's, uh, it's not a real world? A, a fantasy world, a sci fi no, world. Sci fi, but also dystopian future or something. Yeah. There is a war, lots of like laser guns, so we're either in the future or in a dystopian present. Yep. And, and Aerosmith are here for some reason. Yes. Oh, the artificial intelligence that we all talk about now that is going to destroy us is going to destroy the world Yep. in this film. Okay. Uh, oh, it looks a little bit like a Star Wars world, doesn't it? Doesn't right? It? Yeah. And it's cool. I really like the designs of these sort of AI robots that they're fighting. Yeah, interesting. Like Star Wars, but not, like, different. Yeah. And this next bit gives me, like, a Kira vibes. Okay, let's see. Oh. Like, what could be behind that enormous door? Oh. A computer? What is it? We're just saying, we can't go to heaven. Because you're not good. Okay. What? Her, his child? Oh. Director of Rogue One. Yeah. Interesting. It's a kid that is behind everything. Some kind of AI-powered child. Like okay. these half half human, half robot cyborg people. Yes. Wow. This close to winning the war. Execute her, or we go extinct. Fascinating. 
so it's a little bit like um, like the AIs have feelings, like yeah. Blade Runner. Like maybe Blade Runner, it's Ooh, got Blade Runner vibes so, to it. So it's it got like, the vibes of that film AI that Spielberg made yes. years ago. The creator, fascinating. What do you think? Uh I I like like I think it looks interesting. Yeah, I think right. It does, yeah, I think it does. Uh, you know, has got lots of elements that would be quite fascinating to watch. Yeah, it looks like it, and I, you know, it's an original sci-fi story on a massive scale. We don't get stuff like that very often. We normally get like a new mm. Star Wars movie, or new, this is like something new and different, and I'm really intrigued. Uh, yes. I really want to see it. Up, up next, something that I'm just going to let you tell me how much you hate hate it and be ready for you to tell me that it's awful. Okay, so the next film is Napoleon. Napoleon. Are you oh ready God, for Napoleon? Oh my God, is that Jacques... Is that, is that Jacques, 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 Jacques Joaquin Phoenix? Playing Napoleon. Playing Napoleon. Do you know much about this? Not at all. Well, Why do you is, think I'm going to hate it? Because it's directed by your favourite director. He oh. makes the kind of historical epics that you oh like to watch. Oh, God. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Why does he... Why? <laughs> Uh, let's see what you make of this. It's pants. <laughs> I think we're going to speak English with a little bit of French accent. Yeah, obviously they're going to speak oh, English. Oh no! I think I don't a French accent. Oh. I don't remember if they have a French accent actually. Okay. English is fine. I accept that. But a French accent, I can't. Okay, so we're in France. 1793. Everybody is in dismay because society has not changed. And they'll go give them cake. You know, people don't need money. They're gonna cut Marie Antoinette's head. What would you do with this assignment? Okay. Oh no, that, they just have a posh in... English accent. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I promise you brilliant successes. Oh? <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> he just mumbled something in his. Okay, thank his... you. I can't get any subtitles. There's okay. a song. There's a song choice here that's very weird. Is this Radiohead? Yep. Oh my god. Okay. Not sung by Tom York, though. No. Oh no, Joaquin Phoenix has got an accent. I don't understand what he's saying. I don't think he does. The course of my life has changed. Napoleon. I'm destined for greatness. Well, it's kind of half an accent. So they just bombed the pyramids. Um, I suggest you take the throne as a king. So they're trying to make Napoleon a king. Shall we vote? Does he become king? I don't. Uh, I don't know anything about the story of Napoleon, Alex. You tell me. I don't remember. This learning has held the world hostage. I don't remember. Oh, and Rupert Everett arrives, you know, his little cameo of, like, posh person. Uh, tyrant. Legend. You are just a tiny little brute. That is nothing without me. Uh, do you think you're going to watch it? I mean, I'll watch it because it's a movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> of course. Your Majesty, we are discovered. Good. Yeah. Ice. 
simply never do. Napoleon. Uh, I'm yes, I'm a hundred percent not gonna watch this. <laughs> I don't care for it. I don't care to watch like epic historical dramas that are probably. Did you watch been... the last duel? No, it's See, on. It's, it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. which I should watch. You should but... watch the last duel. Jodie Comer is so good in that movie. I know. It's just, um, just, just, just like six hours of like. Meh. It's two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Same thing. Last jewel's very good. Uh, right, let's keep this trainer going. Okay. I haven't watched the trailer for this, which Ugh. is Wonka by Tim with Tinimate Shalaman Bing Bong. Yes, I don't know what the heck this movie is going to be like, so you tell me. Okay. I've spent the past seven years traveling the world. Okay, perfecting my craft of chocolate. Mm -hmm. You see, I'm oh. something of a magician, inventor, oh, okay. and chocolate maker. So quiet up and listen down. Nope, scratch that. Okay. Timothy looking like a child. Oh, is that Olivia Corman? Maybe? Is it? Okay, I don't know. So is the origin story of Willy Wonka? Yeah, it's okay. how he became Willy Wonka. Okay. But also, it doesn't feel like it's set in the world that the first... Charlie and Chocolate Factory is set, and it feels like no. it's set in some kind of fantasy. No daydreaming. What are we gonna do, Willie? Huh? Huh? Good facial expression, Tim. Double. Timothy. Uh huh. I got an idea. From a director of Paddington, so that's a Which good start. Which is a masterpiece. Yep. But I want it to look a bit. You know, there's something dark and unsettling about Willy Wonka in the original book and film. Gene Wilder scares you as well as. Yeah. And whereas Timothy Chalamet looks like he's just being a sort of dandy. Mm. He looks a bit like Matilda. Say so again. He looks a bit like Matilda. Yeah. So this Willy Wonka is good. Pretty sure I've gained about 150 pounds in the last two weeks. And then he's gonna become a twisted man? No. Every good thing in this world started with a dream. So you hold on to yours. Here we go, Mama. Yeah, I think he's a good Willy Wonka. I can't believe Hugh Grant is like a Humpa Lumpa. Very weird. Do you think he's going to have a twisty turn at the end where everything becomes evil? I don't know. Well, Willy Wonka's not evil, is he? He's like... Twisted. He's just a, a strange, unsettling, weird man who's unknowable in some way, and this seems like it's making him a bit too... Lovely. Yeah, so I, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, well, if you don't think about, um, you know, the Willy Wonka that we met in um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the film, and the book, then... So if you don't think about what it's based on? Yeah, then okay. maybe it's going to be okay. But uh, okay. the thing... <laughs> 
I don't know. Yeah. I'm I like Paul King a lot. That you know who made Paddington, and I like Timothée Chalamet a lot. And um, the rest of the cast looks really good, but it just I don't know what to make of it. So it looks a bit like a Christmas lovely film where everybody's going to be happy and eat chocolate. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Wes uh, Roald Dahl had a vein of treacly darkness running through his stories that if you leave that out, it just gives Becomes, you a sugar yeah. rush. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, the last trailer I want to show you is something that looks much more exciting and hopefully we'll all be excited yeah. to see in the autumn. The full trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon. Have you seen mm, this yet? No. Right. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yep. DiCaprio, De Niro, just the whole bloody family of Scorsese people are in here. Oh, it's going it, oh, to be a six-hour film again. It's four hours, actually, but yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Okay. Do you know what the film, what is it about? So it's about, uh, it's based on, I think it's a true story and not, uh, that was turned into a novel by somebody about, um, basically, um, it's to do with native Americans, indigenous people and their land being used for oil and then murders happening. And yeah. it, it ended up being basically what caused the formation of the FBI originally, I think. So it's like the, the, the Genesis origin story of that level of law enforcement in America. Okay. It's a whole load of different things. Um, okay. Well, it's four hours of film. So it's probably like, you know, but apparently it's incredible. What would you say that is? My color. Yeah, so it's about the indigenous people of America. Yeah, the worst mm-hmm. land possible. But they outsmarted everybody. The land had oil on it. Black gold. Money flows freely here now. I do love that money, sir. <laughs> so it's basically like how white people exploited everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This wealth should come to us. Oh, somebody got shot at the back. Their time is over. It's just going to be another tragedy. So lots of killings. It is a Scorsese movie. Yeah. We should have known it came with something else. They're like buzzards circling our people. We're still warriors. The early buzz is Lily Gladstone, who's playing uh, Molly Burkhart in it. That actress is incredible in it. Yeah. I ought to um, kill these white men who killed my family. Oh, it just seems really... It's going to be a really hard watch. Oh, that guy. Jesse Clemens. Mm. I like him. He's so real odd. Soft. I Lila got a real soft spot for that guy. Yeah. See what about him? Oh, and um, Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser's in it. Mm. Jack White's in it, supposedly. What? Yeah. It's just this kind of films I'm just just going to feel anxious the entire film and just angry and I might just read the book. Uh, apparently the book's pretty good. Yeah, but, um, I read the book. The movie um, is apparently very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm better at reading books and not... 
although I love watching films, I just, you know, these kind of films, I just, oh, felt sick just watching the trailer. What, because it's so tense? Yeah. Mm. But also, like, it's just the, 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 the terrible everything terrible that has happened to you know indigenous nations all around the world and yeah but i think it's important to tell that story absolutely it doesn't happen yes that's why i'm better at reading it so i know it and then you know i'll uh, leave the film for the people that have got better better nerves than me fair yeah (laughs) not that i want to know i definitely want to know i'm I'm one type i want to know everything just Four hours of um, Mar- uh, Martin Scorsese. I'll probably leave the cinema traumatised. Yeah. Um, so, that's all my MyTube for you. It was quite a long one, but, you know, some good stuff to check out and yes. think about. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit, I'm gonna hit people with a couple of recommendations for things they should check out. In particular, Joy Duty. Very funny. Mm. Very good show. Give it a watch. And, of course, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. One of the best films of the year. Um go and see it on the biggest screen you can. Um, although by the time you hear this episode, uh, Oppenheim will be out and swallowing up all those IMAX screens. So you might find it a bit trickier, but it's definitely worth seeing in a cinema. Um, what would you recommend people check out? Uh, definitely uh, read Live Ceremony by uh, Siaka Murata and go on Netflix and watch an adult dating show, uh, Love Village. Good recommendation all around. <laughs> Um, next week is our 113th episode yes. and very aptly for that number, we will be discussing our top five Taylor Swift albums. Um, also aptly because Taylor Swift fever has hit Europe as the international dates for her era's tour, uh, have been going on sale throughout Europe over the past couple of weeks and causing headlines across the globe. Uh, with Ticketmaster uh, struggling to meet demand. So uh, we will be talking about that more next week. I cannot wait. Yes. Yes. Um, This has been a pleasure, though. Thank you so much. Uh, It's been lovely to be with you. Please do go rate and review us and do all of those things and talk to us on social media. You can find all the links to that in the show notes for this episode and every episode. And uh, we'll be with you next week to discuss Taylor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye